Hello and welcome to Mass Movement Presents. A bit of a change of our usual schedule for you uh, this week. We have uh, an interview with two New York hardcore legends. Um, so we thought we'd put those together and get those out for you as soon as possible. First of all, we've got Bellevue from the Catatonics. Their legendary EP, the Hunted Down EP, is, uh, is well, it's considered one of the first sort of thrash crossover hardcore um, metal releases, really. Um, they were part of the New York scene in Syracuse in 1981 82. And uh, Southern Lord recently re released, oh, released that EP for the first time in sort of 40 years. Um, so rather than having to rely on uh, crappy old tapes, we finally got a good copy of it. So yeah, Tim caught up with Belvy from those to see what was going on. And then I managed to uh, speak to. Uh, Billy Gratiadei from Biohazard, Powerflow and Billy Bio, of course. Um, he's got a new album out called Leaders and Liars, where we and we talked uh, a little bit about that, a little bit about the New York hardcore scene, and we also talked about LA life uh, as well as uh, other other nonsense. So go check that out, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcast, and also go to our website, massmovement.co.uk, for uh, album reviews, comic book reviews, uh, TV reviews, and anything else we feel like doing, really. So go check that out. Uh, but without further ado, first of all, we're going to have Tim's chat with Bellevue from the Catatonics. Hi, this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death, and through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. All right, good, man. Good to Zoom you. Right, good to Zoom you. Yeah. So, how come it's taken so long for the Catatonics EP to be re-released? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> um, uh, I, honestly, I was surprised that there was a... I guess a demand for it, you know. I mean, we 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 put we put that thing out. We were like 14, 15 years old, little like hardcore snot nosed teenagers, and we pressed like five hundred, and we were just like, yeah, what what the hell? And and then we all kind of moved on with everything, and and then you know, thirty five years later or whatever, <laughs> Greg uh, from Southern Lord. Uh, DMs us, DMs me, and was like, "Hey, you know, blah 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 blah." I was a huge Shatonics fan, and you know, you guys still have the recordings or the masters or whatever. And uh, we were like, "Yeah." As a matter of fact, me and uh, my friend Bobcat, we've been trying to put this together for like ten years, and we just never could get our shit together. And Greg was like, you know, said, "Look, let me, let me, let me run with it." And we're, I was like, okay. And funny, small world. Um, Greg like met me after when I was after the catatonics. I obviously joined Seven Seconds. Yeah. So he turns out he met me at a Seattle show that Seven Seconds did on that Walk Together, Rock Together tour. And I and then it like clicked. I remember him talking to me after he, he came up to me after this show. And he didn't want to talk about any seven second stuff. He was just like, dude, that catatonic seven inch, man. Oh, <laughs> so fucking good. And I was like, at the time, like, I'm a kid, he's a kid. And I was like, how's this, how's this kid in Seattle with everyone heard of us? I mean, this is 1985, right? It's pre-internet. Like, so he was like, no, dude, it's so good. So I was like, okay, cool, great. And I didn't really think twice about it. And then 
you know, it just kind of like circles around and he's like, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do green vinyl. Like you guys got bonus tracks. You got, I was like, yeah, cool. And I've been a little, I mean, it's awesome, but like I've done like a lot more press and there's a lot more people interested in it than I ever thought, which is awesome. The, 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 it's it's one of those legendary records though. That's the, I think that's the, the the point because when you're growing up, you hear about this EP, but you can't find this EP anywhere because it's it's impossible to get hold of. Yeah, so, unless you want to spend freaking a thousand dollars. Right. You know, so all you end up with is like cassette copies off cassette copies off cassette copies off cassette copies. Sucks. Yeah. Oh, sorry, but it, you know. Man, it was such a good record back then because all I heard was like like a fuzzy tape in in I think it was like nineteen eighty nine when I first heard oh, wow. it. Okay. Um, so when this came out, it's like rabbit fever time because it, it, yeah. it's because it has that kind of same impact as the first negative approach seven inch. Yeah, I I hear that. I think that's a lot. Probably, I think that's a lot in the vocals. Yeah. You know, I think that the music is like... You guys are more you know, musical than Negative Approach were. Um, I don't know about musical. I think it's like a lot of it is probably, you know, my voice, but especially Joe's voice is very, is very similar to John Brandon's, I think. Right. And um, I think that's where a lot... I mean, I remember even at the time, you know, we got comparisons to Negative Approach, but like the music was much... You know, much more East Coast style. You yeah. know, Boston, Boston, DC. You know, bad brains like the, you know that kind of stuff. So I mean, when the band originally split, did you ever think you know you'd have that kind of impact later on, or is it just like we were just kids goofing around and we did this seven inch? No, I absolutely <laughs> had, would never have thought that. Um, yeah, we were just kids, and we were just trying to make the heaviest angriest music we could right um at the time i mean i'm you know at and but i also think that if you're gonna do music and if you're gonna do a band you better goddamn you know believe in yourself and think that that, that what you're doing is the shit yeah yeah you better, you better, you better think that when you go on stage opening for suicidal tendencies, you're going to try your best to blow them off the stage if you can. But I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, maybe not everybody that, I mean, but that's my headspace. And it's like, I'm not going to do something if I don't think it's the best it can fucking be. Right. You know, and and I think you got to, I mean, I think all good music, good art, you know, it's got to come from that place. You got to, you got to believe in it or, you know, it's, you're phoning it in. So why, I mean, how does a band from Syracuse become a quintessential part of the New York hardcore scene when the city's so far away? And then you sort of rewrite the rule book as well. Right. Well, to, we, yeah. Okay. So a couple of things to clarify, right? Yeah. So I'm a, I was, you know, I'm a born and raised New York City kid, but my right. parents okay. moved me and my brother upstate to Syracuse, which is like about five hours north yeah, yeah. when we were mm, probably like eight or nine nine or ten right and you know we were from like lower east side and we had you know you know the we had like 
friends who were like the beginning punk rock people and CDs and you know my dad was a musician my mom was an artist they were kind of like these bohemian weirdos and so you know and they moved they moved upstate you know because they didn't want us to get involved in drugs and whatever right. which didn't work uh, <laughs> anyway anyway um so we you know, now people go, oh, New York Hardcore, New York Hardcore. And I know, you know, I mean, again, I know all those guys and, you know, you know Jimmy Murphy's Law and the Chromash guys and Sick of It All and everything. And that's great. But we were really removed from that. We right. were in our own little bubble. We kind of knew it was going on, but we never, and I, we really wanted to go to New York and play and play Boston, but it was really tough because we were still, you know, we're still in high school. Um, and it was just like, you know, we just could, we just could never get it together to get to the city to play. So we decided just to do like do the best we could upstate and just push kids to form bands and push kids to make fanzines and and just you know and then and then we just started booking shows because we were like, look, if we can't, you know, if we can't go to New York, we can't get to DC, and we can't go to Boston, and obviously we're never going to get to LA. Let's just bring bring the stuff here right so we started you know so we started we started like the house so we started you know we started just booking you know all kinds of band you know youth brigade and uh decreutzen and necros and obviously seven seconds and gangrene and scream and then you could just go on and on and on and and at, at that point it was just like it wasn't it wasn't bands that we like looked up to. I mean, obviously, like at that point, you know, Suicidal Tendencies and Black Flag were like this next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing for, but it was still super underground. I mean, right. you know, those bands were playing, you know, in, in a place like upstate New York, which is like Syracuse or Buffalo or Rochester. They're playing for maybe 400 people. You know, it wasn't, I mean, that to us was huge because we're playing these shows with 40, 40 or 50 kids. So we go to Rochester and play with Suicidal and it's like 500 people are like, oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and then just to take it to the next thing, next, you know, like a few years later when I, you know, when I go, you know, my first gig with Seven Seconds is with like the Circle Church Descendants and MIA in it was LA or Long Beach, but it was like, I don't know, four or 5,000 kids. I was, my mind was like, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't think punk rock or hardcore could even could do anything like that. Right. And, you know, you, you read about that stuff in like Flipside and Mass and Rock and Roll, and you were kind of like, oh, LA, that's, man, GBH played in front of how many people? What the fuck? That's nuts. How many punks are there? And that kind of like, you know, when I did it, it was like, Jesus, this is, this is something like you never would have imagined, like back, you know, back upstate and stuff. All right, so when, because why did the band split? Because everyone says like, oh, it's teenage rivalry. And I never really got a, a, gra a grasp of why you guys called it a day and just went your separate ways so, so quickly because you came, you burned brightly and then you went and that was it. Yeah, um, honestly... I'll take it. Was, it was. It, it was I'll, I'll put it all on me. I mean, I was. You know, I, I, I wanted to do something. I, you know, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to do something bigger. Yeah. And I had had 
offers from a lot of bands to join to play drums for them right and i remember at the time seven seconds was one of my favorite bands for sure um we played catatonics we, we you know we supported them in syracuse and you know a couple months after that kevin like hit me up and he's like listen we're we, you know we need a new drummer and you know we really like you and i was like yeah <laughs> I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> so it's uh, you know I'll take the blame because I you know I and, you know I did a lot of the work like for Cataton like for booking us and trying to do all this stuff right. and it was just so much and I believed in us but I was just like you know I mean you're a kid and you kind of like wow I have a chance to do play with something and someone that's a lot bigger you know maybe I was I had a, probably a bit of a ego maybe i don't know but it was like it's split you know it's split because i was just like guys sorry i'm i'm going to do this um but you've played with a lot more people since the seven seconds as well because you played with degeneration and, and as well yeah degeneration uk subs libertine yeah yeah so you know i was you know knock on wood i was able to turn into a bit of a career for for a while anyway <laughs> um so yeah you know and you know i don't uh yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad I did, um, you know, and the rest, you know, the rest of the guys, you know, did kept doing music, but I don't, you know, weren't, you know, playing, I, you know, I think Joe played with Fang for, for a couple of records, but that's probably about as far as any, anybody else, you know, got, but I just, I just kept going and, you know. So has, has this re-release prompted the idea of let's get the band back together? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, you, you know, that club in Brooklyn, St. Vitus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, those, the guys who own it are my buddies and the book, the, one of the bookers is, is, a, is a good friend. And he was my booker at, uh, Brooklyn Night Bazaar, which is like this company that I co-own and, uh, long story short. So they're like, yeah, you gotta do the reunion. And I was like, I don't know. But, because first of all, there's no fucking way I can play that fast and sing. I don't know how the hell I did it. I guess it's just like teenage energy and coffee. But, um, like I listen to that stuff and people are like, yeah, you play again. And like, and, you know, I can still play, but man, I don't know if I, you know, I, I definitely can, I would really have to practice quite a bit to get, to get that fast again. And, and singing and playing, I don't even know how the hell I did that shit. <laughs> like, so, the, I was like, what? so it isn't on the cars yet. It's, I mean, I think maybe we'll, we'll have, we haven't had a discussion. I think it's been um, insinuated a little bit, yeah. but you know, I mean, I live, you know, I live in New York. I live in Brooklyn. Um, Jeff, the bass player, lives outside of he outside of Boston and in Massachusetts. And Joe, who was, you know, he and I wrote most everything together. Right. Um, he's in Northern California, so it would, it would take a lot to bring everybody together. And the other guitar player, Farmer, ever since this started, again, this is like this started happening. Greg and I started talking in, that would have been like July of 2020. Yeah. Um, and none of us have been able to find Farmer, who is the, the rhythm guitarist. He's just disappeared. No, like, he's, he's not on social media. Like, Joe had a phone number for him, but it's like that. you just dial it and it's like, the mailbox is full. And that's it. <laughs> and, 
So, and we like, like, he doesn't have like an Instagram, doesn't have a Facebook, he doesn't, you know, a Twitter, there's nothing. So we, we were just like, dude, you know, we want to send him the, you know, the records. And we're like, yeah. dude, you're on this, man. And, but we don't know where he is. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it would be, it would be interesting. It's, uh, I'll, ne- I'll never say never. Right. Well, that's, the, that's, that's the best way to do So, musically, where are you guys all at now? Are you still playing? Um, I mean, I play every now and then, but, I mean, I'm, I'm so busy with, you know, the, we're open, my company, Brooklyn Bazaar, we're opening three new spots this, uh, this summer, so I'm just, like, slammed with that stuff, and that's kind of, like, become, like, what I do. Um, Joe has a recording studio in, like I said, in Northern California mm-hmm. where he like records bands and stuff. So he's still really involved in music. I think Jeff has a band he actually plays with. Um, you know, it's, I, I miss it. I'm just, I'm just so slammed with time. I just don't really have the time to do it. But I mean, you know, if I get behind the kit, I just, you know, I, it comes back like riding a bike. Yeah. You know? So uh, the record's out now. People can order directly from Bandcamp and from Southern Lord. From Bandcamp and Southern Lord, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you like? Well, so one question I, I was kind of loath to ask, but I've got to ask you: What's changed about hardcore for you? Changed about hardcore for me? Well, one of the, I think it, it, but what changed a lot is, and, and again, in 85, 86, I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm in seven seconds, I'm still a kid, but I was already seeing, even though, we're, like, you were playing these massive shows, especially on the West Coast, but I'm, you know, you start, you're, I, even as a kid, I was starting to see all these shows, and it's all guys. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and it's, I'm like, I don't know, you know, I like girls, you know, I want to like, you know, and, and it started, you know, it started like originally like the hardcore scene, and the punk scene, you know, it was, it was guys, it was girls, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like black and white and, you know, freaking gay and straight and it didn't matter. And then slowly it just became this like big macho white guy thing. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you're playing, you know, you're playing a show and you're up on drum riser and there's thousands people and all you're seeing is just people not fucking slamming they're fucking beating the shit out of each other like just and i'm just i'm playing and i'm like i'm the soundtrack to a brawl this is great this is not what i wanted and it you know it would get more and more and like i got more and more depressed about it and i was also starting to get into you know I was starting to get into bands, like, even though it was later on, but I, I, that's, like, right around the time I discovered, like, the New York Dolls, and then, right. like, um, more rock and roll stuff. Like, when at that point, the replacements were, like, a, like really good sleazy rock and roll, Johnny Thunders, um, you know, stuff like that. And, I, you know, I mean, look, I'll, you know, I will never not love, you know, the Bad Brains. I've got a friggin' bad brains tattoo right here right i and i survive but you know i'll never not love minor threat you know circle jerks all that stuff is 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 amazing to me and i can still listen to it but 
it it changed in real time and 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 i'm not i mean there's a lot of people who had the same kind of issues happen i remember like right around the time where you know i left seven seconds and you know my friend uh, jay who's the bass player in bad religion he leaves bad religion for the right. same reason my friend nick who is, was in a band called mia I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they're really kind yeah. of like TSOL, early TSOL style, really good, like Southern Cal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he leaves, same reason. And so we tried to put a band, we actually tried to put a band together for a while, but we could never get a singer and then it just kind of like flew, flew apart. But I do, you know, I remember for a lot of us, we were, we were just kind of like, man, like this isn't, you know, where's, where's the girls? Where's the partying? Where, like, where's, it's, where's the fun? It was just like, you know that that changed a lot for me. No, you know, years later, looking back now, you know, at like for instance, when we had you know for Brooklyn Night Bazaar, we had like a three level club, and um, one of our main bookers was like hard, you know, a hardcore noise heavy kind of music booker, right. and I saw like the, these new school bands that were really cool, and and. You know, and you saw younger kids who weren't just beating the shit out of each other. And I was like, oh, I go, okay, I like this. I like this, that this can, this can evolve and, you know, keep going. And it's more, it's, you know, it seems, you know, more inclusive now, you know, than at that time. So, you know, and and also, you know, I changed and people, people change, you know, Um, you know, I, you know, I'll go to a hard yeah i'll go to a hardcore show or a punk show most of the time if it's my friends playing um you know once in a while someone will tell me about a new band i'll check it out and be like wow wow, this is really cool um you know but i think yeah i think the biggest thing is is people people change and it's tough to like just kind of like i don't know like be ghettoized into what you listen to and and what you play right that's that makes any sense yeah it's like what muhammad ali said wasn't it you know show me a man at 50 who says he's the same as he, as he was at 20 and i'll show you a man who's wasted his life because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's the evolution of the human spirit and, the, and you know the human yeah, condition exactly right. right and that does you know and there's you know there's plenty of stuff that, you know, you can listen to and you're just like, wow, that is, that is heavy. You know, that is intense. It, maybe it's not hardcore, but it still can be right. just as powerful and emotional and everything else. Okay, so what's next for you then, Bevy? What have you got on, what have you, what do you have on the horizon, Miss sir? I mean, like I said, we're opening, you know, um, two spots in Rockaway Beach uh, in in New York, on, which is the, you know, on the ocean, yeah, in the yeah. water. We're opening another spot in McCarran Park in Brooklyn. Um, and these are like bar restaurants, uh, but they're not, they're actually for the, it, it, for, it, it's a weird thing, but it, it, they're not, all the other the company's been around for 12 years and we've always been like really music centric and focused, but for whatever reason, these are not, they're more just kind of like cafe bar instead of the like crazy club venue model. Now, I don't know, maybe we go back to that in a couple of years. It's just been a weird, it's just been a weird ride as far, as far as that goes. Um, 
Okay, brother, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome, uh, thank you. And, you know, it's just awesome to see the record out, out so I can actually get it for once and not have to rely on a cassette anymore. You you got it. Did they send it to you or you got it on a record store day? Uh, they sent it to me, so it's all good. Sweet. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thank you for your time, brother. It's been thank an absolute you. pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. This is Igor Cavalera from Peprick, Cavalera Conspiracy, and you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, that was Bell from the Catatonics. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and as promised, here is uh, my chat that I had with uh, Billy Agratia Day from Biohazards, uh, Powerflow, and Billy Bio, of course. Um, he got a new album out now called Leaders and Liars on AFM Records. Uh, you should go check that out. He's also got a Patreon. Um, where you can watch exclusive clips of how the album was made, as well as uh, other sort of um, behind-the-scenes stuff from Biohazard, um, Billy's solo stuff. So go check that out. That's well worth the money. Um, so, yeah, here's, uh, here's me and Billy. I spoke to you a few years back uh, when you released uh, Feed the Fire. So what's been going on uh, in your world since then? Obviously, the, the world went to shit in between. Uh, what's been going on for you since then? Um, uh, you know, I vowed... I would not talk about the pandemic because it's something that we've all had to fucking maneuver and deal with and, and yeah. get over. But uh, so uh, artistically, I, I made a couple new records and Leaders and Liars um, is a, a proud venture for me. The I, I think it's a you know being a second record is every band i ever loved the second record is what you know usually cut your teeth in the first one the second one yeah, shows you what yeah. you made of and this 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 for me is probably my urban discipline wow okay yeah i was gonna ask you about that i mean did you sort of go through the uh this difficult second album sort of uh phase again or you know do you feel like you've already passed that sort of thing um no i i i feel very similar in a lot of ways i think the timing of biohazard with urban discipline was you know had a lot to do with you know the way the music world was situation in the world the scenes the, what was going on and musically um with bands but as an artist i feel the same i, I feel like you know you, you make that first record and then you tour around and you spend time with those songs with you know with your audience people that are supporting you each other as fellow musicians and the second record is born out of those relationships and those kind of that, that energy um i was on tour right up until the pandemic hit and then you know had the, the, the rug pulled like we all had and then um so I, that live energy was still there and i i think um that had a lot to do with where my head was at yeah so was this written in the, in the during the pandemic yeah was it entirely written by yourself then or um, for the, for the most part, I, I don't ever stop writing and I don't ever start writing. Okay. So it's just, it's a constant thing that's going on with me. Um, and they, uh, you know, it's, it's like the songs, sorry, saying goodbye to my son. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so it's like, there comes a, there comes a time when the, the songs kind of magnetize together. Like sometimes, you know, I, I've used an analogy before. It's like cooking soup. You know, yeah. Sometimes it needs to simmer a little bit longer. Sometimes it's ready in five minutes. Um, so the, the song came together during the pandemic. There was things that, um, you know, there's a couple of songs that 
through a risk that I had showed guys in, in biohazard. Um, okay. So it, it all came together there. And, and um, I think having maybe the pressure of um, what's going to happen tomorrow off my shoulders, <laughs> like with yeah, all yeah. of us, you know, I, I remember my, uh, my wife, God love her. She uh, <laughs> busted my balls. I, I, I was, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't even, I, I mentioned this and somebody made a, a sly comment about it, but she busted my chops about drinking and, and I was like sober. I wouldn't say so, like she, she pushed me over the edge, but um, she sat there every day and said, babe, who the fuck knows if we're going to live through tomorrow? Have yeah. a fucking beer. True. And True. So, yeah. so I did. I had a beer and I'm, I'm fine. But my point is, is that, that was the whole mentality. Everybody was like, you know, we, we, we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Tomorrow's it's, so, you know, it's, it's, tomorrow might never come. So, you know, we live, live for now, isn't it? It is. And, and it was funny because um, that was the, that's how we lived when we were younger. You know, I made all my early records that way. Yeah. Um, and then you get kids and you get responsibilities and things, you know, you, you, you don't, you live for the day, but you look forward to being around tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, and that changes a lot of things. Um, but I, you know, as my wife said, she, she has, um, she has three kids. Um, and that, uh, <laughs> helps music and, 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 and being an artist helps keep me, keeps me young. And, and Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, in the mix. <laughs> So um yeah on the album you've got um our scene um that was one I I particularly liked um sort of like a love letter to the New York hardcore scene would that be would that be correct for me it's a uh, <clears throat> it's it's about the scene in general and okay we all grow up I mean obviously New York is my scene so yes it yes yeah. it's you but generally speaking you know coming up we we all are trying to put, you know, try to, um, you don't really try to fit in, but you want to fit in, you know? And I think a lot of, a lot of youth, that's the struggle. It's like, hey, the fuck these, I don't, you know, I don't march to the same beat they march to, yeah. you know? And you struggle to find a place where you belong, a place where you have family. And and for a lot of us, it's the music scene. The underground music scene finally gives you a place where you, you feel at home. You feel like you can be yourself. Right, and and it, it it doesn't matter what city you're in or what type of music. It's that family vibe, and um, our scene is about that struggle and and that um, realization that you finally found a place you can call home. Sure, right, okay. I mean, you um you got Toby in as well, didn't you? On a track on uh, One Life to Live. Yeah, Toby. Uh, good How did that come actually, about? I'm going to see. It. Hey, it was great. Um, sorry. I just saw a buddy of mine. Um, <laughs> it, it was great. I'm going to see um, Onyx and Cypress Hill are doing a battle Saturday night. Oh, wow. We're going to see them, Toby and I. But um, they, uh, Toby and I, uh, you know, we were on tour together. We did, The last tour we did was Persistence Tour, pretty much any heavy music tour. Um, now I'm watching all my bands. I'm, I just had my fourth tour canceled, and I'm watching all the bands that I, I love and friends with you know, on tour and, I, and yeah. pictures are coming in and I'm like fucking salivating and jealous as fuck. But <laughs> Toby and I are together on tour for persistence, persistence tour, which is like 
So um, when, you know, the world shut down, um, that energy was still in my veins. Toby and I um, talked about doing something together. It was right in the middle of uh, lockdown. And the, uh, we, uh, it was tough. You weren't allowed to leave your homes, which is <laughs> still to this day, when I say it, I'm like, it's, it's so fucked up. But I mean, I, I didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it didn't stop me. Um, and I, you know, luckily I, I had my studio, so I was able to go there, you know, pretty much oh, cool. every day. Yeah. Um, when it wasn't, you know. What I liked about the album as well was sort of the little um, interludes you had, sort of um, you know, Sheepdog and uh, what was it on Just in the Sun? Those cool sort of like uh, laid back sort of electronica beats. Was that all you're doing as well? Yeah, everything I release is. Um, but, you know, I just did an interview in one of the probably the, the most unique and intimidating, not intimidating, nerve wracking interviews I've ever done with Mike Watt from Minutemen. Oh, wow. And okay. He has, he has a radio show and he played the first tracks he played off of the. You know, and he's mixing, he's mixing he, such an eclectic array of music. Yeah. It's a lot of jazz, and then okay. he'll throw in my music. But he started, he played like three or four set those, those tracks from my record. And I was like, what's, why is he doing that? I'm like, oh, he can't just, you can't have Coltrane and fucking, um, <laughs> you know, turn the wounds back to back. Yeah. I guess yeah. that was his meaning. But eventually he led into the, to the, the meat of the records but it was the first time that i heard those songs together and it must have painted a peculiar paint uh like image of what my music is like for somebody who's yeah. never heard of me before because you, you hear those kind of tracks but you you know you know my past i i i've always done that um shown kind of how like life is not always great not always bad it's twists and turns and spin arounds and ups and downs um, it's the ebb and flow of life that that makes it interesting yeah. and worth living, in my opinion. And I like to show that in my music, and not just within the song dynamically, but um, from the many piano interludes and and intros with Biohazard throughout my career. Um, it's just how I like to mirror um, my world. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you when it comes to writing, do you sort of go into the recording side of things with fully formed songs, or do you sort of uh, you surround yourself with people who will, uh, who you know, like like for drummers and for instance, and bass players. Do do you surround yourself with people who will complement your music and know exactly what to do with a reference? Well, I I definitely know how to pick my musicians that 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 one up me all the time and they keep me on my toes. <laughs> These yeah. guys are killers. They're all fucking great musicians. Rod Diaz, um, suicidal and corn right now. Uh, Dan Palmer is a fucking amazing guitar player. He's played on both of my records. Um, uh, Fred Aiken Rios is a drummer who also plays with me in Power Flow. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, Robbie from Exploited is a fucking <clears throat> killer, not just a songwriter, but a player and dude. Um, even my bass player from Italy, uh, who fills in when, who's with me when Raz is out with me. Yeah. Um, Dan Maka is fucking amazing guitar player. Anyways, my, my point is, I think that I have a good talent of saying, well, you know what? If I had these guys really fucking shining on their instruments, it, you won't notice so much that I was the punk rock guy who's like, who fell in love with music because it was more so how, not necessarily how well you played it, but how well you, you delivered it. Um, but 
musically, I did a um, a really a really cool break, not a breakdown, but it was like a I documented the release the the writing of a couple songs, and I released one, and that song ended up becoming um, the track I did with Toby called yeah. "One Life to Live." Yeah, and it was like I would put the phone down, sitting in the fucking my living room during the pandemic, and just capture moments. It, the song that um, came out of that, there was a couple of riffs that probably ended up they taking other songs, but there it it was a when I put the footage together, I was like, "Holy shit, this is fucking badass!" Yeah, because when you when you write music, I don't write, I don't, I write songs. I write little um, snapshots of what I feel. Okay, um, so I, I don't know if it cut off, but I was saying, you know, I, I have songs that I think capture really the essence of what I was thinking, feeling about that just never have seen the light of day yeah. um, for very, for numerous reasons. But so you never know. I, I don't write, I don't sit down and say, I'm going to write an album. I write songs. I'm always constantly writing. And there's a, comes a time when those songs kind of all fit together and jump off the, the page. But that song, it's really interesting when you look at the footage of like, you know, I split it on my Patreon. I split it up. It, it was kind of like it would go along as the song was developed. And then the song ended up becoming, you know, making a record and fitting with the, everything else. And the label picked it as uh, a single. And then okay. I just do a video for the song. It's a great song, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, but it's interesting how that is put together. Even though I don't have any set uh, group set of rules that I stick to and adhere to, I this was captured um, in one of my ways I write. It's just starting out with a riff and inspiration. Um, the, sometimes the lyrics and the, the um, start with a um, document. It was, it's really cool. I ended up putting a, a, like a, Three because it was like four or five episodes, but it starts with me with the acoustic guitar. Then it, I, the um, video progresses to me in the studio playing electric guitar, then bass, playing drums, um, going through, and then bringing in Fred and bringing in the other guys, and I was, and then oh, wow, okay. with vocals. But it, it's 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 pretty cool. I I, I really fell in love with um, with the other side of the creativity and using my, my Patreon. Captain captures captures a lot of that, and that's what I share. It's like we all know our, our favorite artists make music, and we rate it based on the other records that they've released, uh, you know, on a on a one to ten scale, and yeah. then we move on, yeah, to yeah. the next record. Um, so this sharing through my Patreon, I share like I I put it's like I invite everybody into the other side of the glass, you know, they're in the room with me sure. um, during like you know they they all watched the, me come up with ideas um i i shared live recordings of like you know shared like video ideas single ideas well the label likes this song and i i would share clips of the songs yeah breakdowns of the songs it, it's it's really cool so this time i really fell in love with sharing the other side of the creativity to kind of circumvent to your to answer um your question but the uh it's something that is, it's a totally different, like it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, it's point A, B, C, um, you know, you start with it, your A is your seed and an idea. And then yeah. people usually see the end result and C, but the B in between that whole process is um, really interesting. And I think that it's, um, I would love to be able to be a fly on the wall to watch, you know, whether it's Agnostic Front or Iron Maiden, write a song. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can see how it all comes together and where those ideas come from. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I often thought that about all the albums. You wish you could be in the room when, when, no, no, yes, when, uh, when Tony Iommi I first mean, played Black Sabbath, or you know. <laughs> yeah, all those things are great moments, and I I captured that with and and I share it on my Patreon. But the um, the, I, I had dinner once. We ate a restaurant, ate in a restaurant on the East Coast, and it was Ian. I think Ian Gillen, who's the bass player from Deep Purple. Uh, is it Casey Ian Gillen? No. no. Uh, Oh, yeah, I know you. I know you're on ball, though. Yeah. So, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank because this is such a cool story. Yeah. Um, in the world, deep purple. Um, so we were having dinner at his place. Um, I think it was. I can't remember where it was. I think it was on the East Coast. And um, a really dope restaurant. And he comes up and says hello. Um, Roger Glover. I can't believe it. Roger Glover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was just googling so, myself. I couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so he he goes up. So we we're talking, and 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 he's asking about like touring, you know, like what, what I do and blah, blah blah. And I was all I wanted to do is ask him so many questions. But the biggest question that I stuttered over this question, I'm like, what's it like to rip right the coolest rip of all times that every guitar player, bass player, pretty much anybody yeah. who ever grabbed the guitar. I like rock and roll yeah. and heavy music played first. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he kind of laughed and chuckled. And, uh, but I don't know how we got off on that tangent. Um, whatever. Interesting story. Yeah. Cool story, man. <laughs> so, uh, what, like, are plans? what are the touring plans? What brought uh, me to that story? Sorry, say again? What brought me to that story of, of Roger Glover? I think we were just talking um, there. Being, being creative and sort of seeing behind the scenes of how a song comes together. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We it would be great to see it's Iron Maiden or Black Sabbath. Yeah, and and be a fly on the wall watching like your great band yeah. write the, those those riffs. Um, but I, that's what it was. So, I, I, anyways, um, touring plans uh, there are none. There they, I just had my last um, tour canceled. Um, we're supposed to start off in Europe and then. Right. Um, segue into the states, and it's it's it just you know challenge after challenge. Right now, um, there's sadly no plans. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but it yeah. is what it is. You just got to roll with the punches, and um, it'll it'll sort itself out. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, on the mass movement uh, podcast, we we like to get a bit nerdy as well. We we deal in. Uh, sort of uh, comic book culture as well. Have you got anything you, you get nerdy about? Anything that you're passionate about, aside from music? Um, yeah, <laughs> quite a few things. Quite a few things. Um, I, obviously, music is my first love. Yeah. But um, jujitsu, jiu yeah. um, outdoor life, technology. Okay. Um, dogs, animals. You live in LA at the moment, is that right? Yeah. Married a Brazilian who got sick of the cold weather on the East Coast, and she <laughs> laid the hammer down and said, "If we go back to Brazil or LA." Uh, yeah, so you're living in LA. I mean, do you get um, to you know to get outdoors much, or is there lots around where you live? Is there lots? To yeah, explore? I, yeah, it, it is. California's a um, beautiful state, physically, yeah. and it, it's a uh, it, it's great to, to get out. It, I grew up on the East Coast, where <clears throat> 
when the sun came out, you called your buddies up. You're like, yo, it's a nice day. Let's go out. In California, when it rains, you called your buddies. It's like, yo, it's raining. <laughs> we moved to L.A., and uh, we love it here. Just, Is there anything you miss from the, the early days in New York when you were, when the scene was, you know, when you were new on the scene? Did you miss anything from those days? Um, no. I, I, I wouldn't say um, I feel like still doing music and, and and touring around and being involved with it i still get that you know the feeling of belongingness and and you know we talked about our scene earlier but yeah the uh people often ask me you know at different points the music scene ebbs and flows with life and you know and popularity and and you know new bands that that reignite this passion and yeah in the underground music game or attention from the media but that the scene it's always there it's always thriving it's always offering somebody new coming up yeah a feeling so. of of belongingness and and that is always there so i i love it um i i you know it's the only place i feel 100 comfortable being myself yeah so as far as missing um new york i miss it a lot I miss you know everything about new york to see the the you know, seasons to the yeah. attitudes, um, things like that. But they say happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so, yeah. Oh, well, well thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, taking time out to chat to us. Good, I appreciate your time. It's good talking again. Good, good luck with the yes. album. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to see you on tour uh, if, the, if the world ever uh, gets back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a new normal, and I'm not sure. Yeah, you may be right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But all the best to you, bro, and hopefully I'll see you on the road. Yeah, take care, mate. Bye-bye Thank now. you, Chris. Bye-bye. Thank you, bud. Peace. Movement presents. Movement presents.